it was the most unforgettable trip to get my mail in college. I will never, ever, ever forget this moment. I was walking through what is called the commons. Uh, the commons is the place where everybody kind of goes to hang out and get food and all the mailboxes uh, in Florida where I went to college and you'd get your mail and you get, and a lot of times it's good news and it's just like now, bad news and bills and all that stuff. It's not a lot of fun stuff, even in college, right? Um, and I will never forget this moment. Uh, it was the beginning of a semester. It was actually the beginning of my senior year, and I had just finished an internship. I just had uh, had the privilege of taking over a ministry um, where I grew up in my hometown in Illinois for the summer. And I just finished that internship, and I'm beginning. In fact, it was the first day I was back uh, from summer. It was the first day registration for my senior year of college. And there's a sea of people. And being a senior year, it's your fourth year there. You, you know a lot of people, even in a large college. You know a lot of people, and so you're saying hi. And then there's those people that you've seen for four years that you recognize, but you don't know. It's like in a small town like Jamestown, you recognize, but you don't know. And I'm walking through, and I see uh, this girl that I've seen before, and to be honest, I've had a hard time. I've had a hard time keeping my eyes off of her. Um, and we lock eyes, and she walks right past me, and she says these words to me. She stops. She says these words to me. We've never spoken before. And she says, how was your internship? I don't remember what I said in my head. I'm like, I'm playing back. And I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> good. How was yours? <laughs> uh, if you've ever had one, I don't know if you've had it. Hi. 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 And we, we began to have and she's interested about this internship that I had. And it was a short conversation. But I remember walking away thinking, feeling uh, this way. And I don't know if you've ever heard this quote. I don't even remember who says it, but it's like people won't remember how they made you feel. You've heard that before? I walked away feeling one of the greatest feelings I've ever felt just by this one exchange of talking to this girl. She made me feel incredible. She cared so much about me that I thought, I want to feel like that the rest of my life. So I married her. <laughs> Cue the picture. This is my wife, Brienne. Um, she is incredible. She's not here this morning, uh, so I get to talk about her because otherwise it wouldn't happen. She'd be giving me a look over there. And I'd have to move on thinking that I said something wrong. But I can freely say this morning that she is the greatest human I know. In fact, somebody recently wrote her a birthday card. And they wrote in there something to the effect that you have 
the power, and you've been given the power to make somebody feel like they're the most important person in the room. And if you know Brianne, you feel you've felt that way when you talk to her. She has this ability to make you feel like you're the most important person in the room. And I walked away from that conversation, those first words. I walked away from those first words making a choice. I'm going to marry this girl. I walked away from those first words making a choice. I'm going to marry this girl. Literally, I, I walked away. I called my mom. I went to my room. I called my mom. I'm, I found my wife. She's like, what's her name? Where's she from? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, for all I know, she could. I, I have no idea. I, I, there were so many things I didn't know. I just knew, right? I just knew. And I know it's so weird and there's so much. That's not the point of this story. But I knew in those first words, I, help me make a choice. Joshua had some first words that Israel make a choice that changed the trajectory of all of humanity. But Joshua had some last words. Joshua had some last words that also changed the trajectory of all of humanity, specifically for Israel. You see, first words, especially for me, those first words were powerful because they led me to a choice. First words are powerful. First impressions are powerful because they lead us to a choice. But just like anybody's last words or anybody's final words, sometimes those final words, sometimes those, those last words, they're not like those first words. They, they sit heavy. And sometimes those final words that sit heavy because they have so much power and impact and meaning. Because Joshua, at age 110, stood before the people in Joshua 24. And says these words we're about to read. And he essentially says this one word. I'll narrow it all down to one word. He says... Choose. Our first words and our last words, they lead us to a choice. It did for me because of Brianne's first words to me. But today I want to lead you to Joshua's, one of his last words, which I think is so heavy and so powerful that leads us, it led the Israelites it's led all of humanity from that point on to a choice. Um, if you go there with me, we'll we'll start to dive. We'll start to dive into it, okay? Verse one says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. I'll be honest, I read this and I've been studying this and as much as, you know how I get really excited and like really pumped up and really, like, ah, right? I'm having a hard time having that energy when I'm thinking about Joshua at 110. 
But if you know some people that are even close, I'm not even going to give numbers. Way up in age, you know and I know, if they're wise, it doesn't matter how loud they're speaking, especially if it's their final words, they could be whispering. You're listening. And so I want, to ha- I want you to have, I want you to engage in this moment. I want you to, to see these moments, whether you're seeing it in your Bible, on your app, or on the screen. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him with sincerity and faithfulness. Sincerity and faithfulness. This is important. What is sincerity? Conduit, I, I, I want to... I want to encourage you, like if sincerity is important, coming to church is important, singing to God is important, reading your Bible is important, doing the right thing is important, but I want to just tell you right out from the gate, and I know, I, I know there's a lot of uh, new people that come to Conduit, and I know that Conduit is a, is a different type of church. We're not trying to be any, like anybody else, we're not trying to be anything, but one thing that we are trying to do, and I hope you get this when you come to Conduit, we're trying to be sincere and faithful to what God has called us to do. That we're not doing what we're doing because someone did this, or someone did that, or it says to do this, or someone says to do this. We're doing what we do because God has encouraged us to do this. God has commanded us to do this. God has said obey to do this. God has said to have the courage to do this. We want to be sincere because God has said, hey, give everything to me. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Let Jesus be everything in your life. That's what sincerity is for us. And so there are things that we do, whether it's giving of our tithe and offering um, in the bucket in the back at the end, or it's showing up every Sunday to church, or whether it's showing up to serve or doing anything you can that's being a part of the church here at Conduit. If it's not done in sincerity, honestly, it's, it's not going to last, and it's not going to feel right, and it ultimately won't lead to faithfulness. It ultimately won't lead to faithfulness. So he's encouraging them to serve the Lord with sincerity. Don't be fake. Don't be a whitewashed tomb. Don't be a Pharisee. Do it with sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river. You remember the river? The river that, that God stopped and dried up. And we stacked the stones. And in Egypt, where they were in bondage, it says, and then serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. In other, in other, in other words, if you can look back at all that God has done and all the miracles, if you can survey everything God has done and I'll say this to, to us today. If you can survey everything God has done in all of humanity, in all of your life, and you think he's evil, choose this day who you will serve. Because it's really easy to get into a debate on this part or this part or this part. Look at the big picture. What has God done in your life? What is God doing in our country? What is God doing in the world? Look at all the parts that are coming together. Look at the puzzle pieces put together, what God is doing in your life. Even the ones we can't see, even the ones that we're putting together 
by faith and then we put in our, we see it with the eyes of faith. We're serving the Lord because we trust ultimately what he's putting together and we're serving him with that mind's eye, that faith eye. We're choosing this day who we're going to serve. Whether the gods, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I got to know, is this above anybody's like sink in their house or door? I, I'm just curious. Okay, a couple of you. Awesome. It's so cool. It's great. Um, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is where it comes from. It's powerful. Right out of Joshua 24. This is Joshua's last challenge to the Israelites at 110. He's drawing a line. As for me and my house, all that God has done, all that he's bringing us through, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it for us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods? For it is the Lord our God who brought us out of, brought us out and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery and did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that he went, that we went. And among all the peoples through whom we passed, and the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also, we will serve the Lord for he, he is our God. They're pumped up. They're fired up. How can we not serve the Lord? We're so in, Joshua. Joshua's response. But Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. <laughs> what? This, this is great. For he is a holy God, a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, 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 but we will serve the Lord. See, they're committed. They understand that this isn't just some, some flippant uh, uh, decision moment at an altar this mind like okay I'm good I'm, I'm God I'm in today uh, I'm not sure about tomorrow they understood that this is not some fickle opportunity they knew that when they were choosing to serve the Lord that this was lifelong and conduit you need to know that when you ask Jesus into your life at whatever age that is you need to know I know in our culture this is like such a common thing, and I know it's been in my life. There's ups and downs in our life, but you need to know that when you ask Jesus into your life, when you decide to follow Jesus, when you decide to follow God, that is a moment where you're drawing a line in the sand. That is a stone up to say, I'm all in. Like, there's no turning back. There's nothing that will change my heart on that. There's I'm so by faith. There's nothing that will change that. You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to God. And so he goes on to describe a little bit more in depth. They go back and forth. They talk about the meaning of what this means. 
eventually, guess what they do? They set up another stone. They set up a giant stone, essentially as a testament, but also as a visual representation, eyes to say, hey, this stone hears you make that commitment. This stone also sees what you're going to do a week from now. This stone also knows that a year from now, 10 years from now, when it sees your actions, your heart, and what you've ultimately inclined your heart to, it sees it. It knows it. It's not saying that the stone is God. It's just a physical representation to say, hey, let today be a special day and know that when you choose to follow God, incline your heart and your actions and every part of everything you are to God. So this zooms us into the moment, the old, reminds us ultimately of the theme of Joshua. I've tried to remind you of this every week. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me say this out loud. Are you ready? The theme of Joshua. I'll give you a hand. It's this plus this equals this. Are you ready? The theme of Joshua is courage. Plus, obedience equals abundant blessing. Courage plus obedience equals abundant blessing. This is essentially what he's reminding them of. You see, the courage that he's reminding them of isn't just the courage to cross a river. The courage to face the Amorites, the Gibeonites, the whoever. The courage here, the courage is to obey. Would you have the courage to choose to obey? That's Joshua's final words. Choose this day to obey God. Choose this day to obey God. I know that's not like the most uh, fancy, flashy wisdom that Joshua could give his people. But it's probably the truest thing in the word of God. Because you know and I know that following God (laughs) um, and living life for God at the end of the day when we are forgiven of our sins and he sees us as holy and he gives us grace and mercy, our life still, our life still has consequences. When we decide to do good or evil, our life still has a collection of consequences. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, verses 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also reaps for he sows to his so for if he sows to his flesh he will reap corruption but if he sows to the spirit he will reap everlasting life god loves us and he's desiring to bless you god loves you he's desiring to bless you but he recognizes that it takes courage to obey so that you can be blessed There are things built in in our lives and in this life that it takes courage for us to obey or that we can be ultimately blessed. 
So back to the story. What happens to the Israelites? Not just beginning up to this point, but what happens from this point on for Israel? They go through this giant cycle of obedience and disobedience. But what happens between that obedience and disobedience? Obedience, blessing. Oh, they get bored or something, or like they something happens, and then boom, they disobey. Oh, there's consequences. There's consequences to their choice. Even though they're God's, even though they are God's children, even though God's protected them, even though God pulls out these incredible miracles, this cycle. All throughout the Old Testament is this idea that God has blessed them because of their obedience, because he trusts them. But then they choose to disobey. And there are consequences because of that. It's as if there's this impossible square wheel. It's not even almost like a circle. It's almost like this wheel that's square. Like, this isn't right. Who would make a wagon with square wheels? This is not okay. This is not right. And this is why God has given us Joshua. Yeshua. Yeshua was supposed to be a picture of what is to come. He knew that it would be impossible on our own for us to be able to keep that obedience to constantly on our own. It would be impossible for us to be perfect. So he knew that Joshua, he was just a picture of what was to come. He knew that Joshua would just be a a snapshot, a picture of what was to come. So Yeshua, as I said in the first week, Yeshua, J, 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 the the sound J was, was obviously invented in the English language. And so Yeshua would have been the same as Jesus, excuse me, Joshua would have been said the same way as Jesus. So there's this bridge between Joshua and Jesus to give us this perfect mirrored picture of what was to come with Jesus. So Joshua, there was no way Joshua, even with all the armies as he led them down the path, that even through their obedience, it still would not have led them ultimately to the abundant blessing. It still would not have led them into the ultimate rest that God had for them. Even when they obeyed because that obedience as I said in that cycle it didn't last because on their own they were hopeless it was supposed to lead them that know that someday there's got to be another way there's got to be another plan I cannot do this on my own we cannot do this on our own enter Jesus Yeshua to Yeshua Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He was the only one in all of history of the history of mankind to live a perfect life, a sinless life, who went on that cycle of obedience, so to speak, and never once disobeyed, never once sinned. Never. Think about that. And because of his sacrifice, ultimately he could deliver Israel. 
ultimately he could deliver Israel to the promised land, to the rest that God had promised for them. Ultimately, he can lead us to the place where we can be forgiven because he was sacrificed for our sin. He paid the price for our sin. We claim his life. When we trust God, when we choose to God, when we say, okay, God, I'm choosing to follow you. Today, I'm serving, today, I'm choosing to serve the Lord. This means today, I'm choosing his life. I'm not choosing Yeshua as in Joshua. I'm not going to choose to try to do this on my own because I know that when I try to do this on my own, I will disobey. I will fail. It's like a square wheel. It just feels awkward. And like there's moments where it's like, oh, momentum, I'm doing okay. Oh, I'm doing okay. Right? You get the mental picture here. Something's not right. But when you choose Jesus' life as your own, when you choose Jesus' life, you say, today I'm choosing Jesus. You get to choose his holiness. You get to be clothed in his righteousness. You get to be covered in all of his goodness and the obedience that he fulfilled. And now your life can be completely in a circle, complete like a regular wheel, and it can start rolling, and God sees you as holy. He's declared you righteous. God has said this. He has said this. And that's how God sees you. So he's the, that's the gospel. And it changes everything. And you need to know that. And you need to know that today you can choose that. You can choose that. And today your first words that can change everything with your choice can be, Jesus, I give you my life. Today, maybe for you, it means that choice. Today, my first words to you, Jesus, I gave you my life. But know, but know this, know this. If you've made that choice and you're a child of God, you also need to know, you also need to know, child of God, as a child of God, there are still consequences to our actions. There are still consequences on, on this, on this, in our life every day to what happens. Consequences in our life to what we do. If we reap, if we, excuse me, if we, if we sow, if we work towards the flesh, we're going to reap towards the flesh. If we, if we sow, towards the spirit, we're going to reap towards the spirit. If I plant tomatoes, I get apples, right? Tomatoes. You know how this works? Any gardeners in here? It's as simple as that, right? What you plant, you're going to get, unless you're an errant, and then you plant something and then nothing happens. <laughs> or your dog digs it up, right? Whatever you're planting, it will grow. So the challenge, isn't he, the challenge here isn't guilt. As a child, as a son or daughter, if, you've, if the gospel has changed everything for you. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 is not guilt. It's conviction. 
who the Lord loves, he corrects as a son or a daughter. God loves us and he desires to bless us. I love this part. I had to, my parents are here, so I have to be really careful with my words. Um, but while I was growing up um, with my brother, I knew it was better. <laughs> I knew it was better to obey than disobey. Um, but when we obeyed, things went really well. Um, when we didn't obey, they beat us. I'm just kidding. I, I totally didn't. <laughs> that never happened. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> ah, I'm just kidding. Uh, we enjoyed life. I had an awesome upbringing. But when we disobeyed, we received discipline. And for me, the discipline that was always the worst was going to my room. Major FOMO, like fear of missing out. Like I just do not put me, I don't want to miss out on anything, right? Um, we received discipline when we disobeyed. This is a model that we get from God. He does that to us in different ways. He disciplines you because he loves you. And I think we get confused. I think we I think we mix that and we confuse that with Jesus' grace and Jesus' love for us. Hey, let me just talk to, to sons and daughters of the king this morning. Just, just you for a second. If you've never made that choice to follow Jesus, just ignore me for a second. Come back in a minute, but ignore me for just for a second. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, if you're a son or daughter and you know better. I want to challenge you here. I want to challenge you here. Who the Lord loves, he disciplines. So I think for me, there are times when hard times come. And sometimes just hard times come. Trials come. To make us stronger, period. And I would argue that that's most of the time, for me in my life. I can only speak for my life. I'm not saying this for your life. But there are a lot of times, I think, when hard times come, where I immediately pawn that off as a hard time, and I'm, this is going to be made to make me stronger. When have I paused for a moment to say, you know what? Is this, is this discipline? Or is it both somehow? I, I'm just challenging us as sons and daughters of the king to really consider this. It talks about in Galatians. talks about in Hebrews chapter 5 and 6 and 7. This really challenges us as sons and daughters. It's not abuse or punishment. I just think sometimes he points out that he disciplines those that he loves. And what does discipline look like? It looks different for every one of us. But he's trying to get our attention because he sees. It's just like if your three-year-old was playing right here and they're just dancing. They have no idea. What would you do? You'd come sprinting because you wouldn't want them to get hurt. And it's in the same way that he does that for us. He doesn't want us to harm ourselves. So he will do anything and everything to try to help us. He will help us have the courage to obey so that we can receive the abundant blessing. So in Joshua's final message, this is it. 
his final message, his final two things he's saying. He's saying, have the courage to obey. And the second thing is to live on mission, but rest in his love. Live on mission, but rest in his love. I think that it's really easy for us to sit back and understand, especially for the Israelites, they got to the promised land. They thought this was it. This is where God has me stop. God has saved us not just from something. He saved us to something. And I think it's really easy for us to just sit back and I think we need to know and be reminded that he saved us to be on mission. Um, I'm going to skip that part because I, th- I think we need to just end on this, this aspect because um, yeah How many of you have a hard time just sitting in resting, meditating in God's love? How many of you just have a hard time sitting in, in silence and, and receiving that? I want, you, I want you to think for a moment uh, why that is. I do too. My hand's higher than anybody's, right? Um, I, I do too. I mean, if for you, because it's different for everybody, why is, that, why is it that way for you? Why is it difficult for you? Don't answer out loud. I want you to know why. Um, and maybe you don't know why, and that's okay. Just think about that for a second. Why is it difficult for us to in the love of God? If, if, if our final command is to Live on mission and rest in his love. He's saying, yes, choose this day whom you will serve. Serve is action. Serve isn't just sit. Serve is go. Serve is live. Serve is living on mission. But we can't live on mission truly if we haven't already inclined our heart, inclined our our entire being on his love for us. So living on mission and resting in his love is important. And if we just try to live on mission without resting in his love, it won't last very long because we won't get refueled. Um, I think that, um, I think the thing that sometimes people struggle with, and I know sometimes I struggle with, is trying to figure out why God made us the way he made us. Why did he wire us the way he wired us? Why can't we be uh, more intelligent like that person? More um, organized like this person? Why can't we communicate like that person? Why we can't we um, do it like this person? Why can't we get it all together like this person? Or why can't we have the work ethic of this person? What is it for you that sometimes, and maybe it's not a comparison thing for you, maybe it's just something that somebody instilled in you when you were young that you just have a really, really difficult time and it's rested in your insecurities and sometimes you just get, you just 
up yourself about every little thing. And maybe it's just totally this thing in your own heart and mind, and it's only right in here. And it's these, these like recorders that play over in your head over and over and over. Or maybe perhaps for you, it's voices that are actually in your life. It's a spouse, it's a brother, it's a sister, it's a boss. It's, a, it's someone else that is actually in your life constantly saying things. That it's just playing in your mind. So when you go to sit down to rest in him and in his love, when as soon as you go to rest in his love, all you can hear is what everybody else has to say. And I think sometimes we forget that the mess that we are is actually the masterpiece that God made and is still making. Let me say that again. Sometimes the mess, some of us, the hot mess we are, is the mess that God has made in us and he's still making in us. It's the masterpiece that he's made. And he's still making. It's his workmanship. Um, so when you think of, when you go to that moment and you rest in his love, do you try to think of, you ever try to think of God and what he looks like? Or you ever try to think of, um, like, his face? What, what is, immediately when you do that, do you start thinking about Jesus? Do you do that? Because obviously, like, are you seeing not seen the Holy Spirit? So, okay, we got one, one out of the three choices. Okay, Jesus. We've seen Jesus. Well, no, I've not seen Jesus, but, like, some people have seen Jesus. Or, like, Google's seen Jesus. All right, so let's Google Jesus, right? That's a bad idea, right? <laughs> so, so there are different pictures that come to our mind when we uh, think of what Jesus might have looked like. And I'm going to guess, based on different ages and ages, uh, I'm going to guess that some of you um, have different perspectives of this. This is obviously the first one I'm going to show you. Um, maybe, how many had this painting like in your house growing up or in your Sunday school or something like that? Pretty legit. It's pretty, pretty um, chiseled face, Jesus. Flowing hair. It's great. Okay, next. Maybe this is the Jesus you think of. Um, friendly. Uh, welcoming. Maybe when you think of Jesus and you sit down and, and you try to rest in his love, you think of him welcoming you home, like after a long life or a long day. Right? Um, maybe the picture of Jesus for you that really makes, hits home um, next is Swedish Jesus. Blonde highlights, blue eyes. Any Swedes in the house? So no, I, I wasn't raising my hand. I, um, 
maybe for you. See, there are different, there are different pictures of Jesus that like strike a chord with us to say that that right there, that's Jesus. That's him. That, that's gotta be <laughs> that's gotta be what he looked like, right? <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I love it. Because like these artists, when they sit down, they're like, oh yeah, all the research. All the research tells me that he must have had highlights. <laughs> must have. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, next. This, this is Conduit's next um, pastoral hire. Next one. I'm just kidding. Next one. <laughs> uh, next one. Sometimes, okay, third time. Next one. Okay, this one. Now, this one here is one of my favorite pictures of Jesus. There's a story behind this. I've tried over and over and over to pronounce this woman's name. So I'm not going to try to botch it up. And I've tried, um, so I'm just going to leave her name out. But it is an 83-year-old woman who had the heart of gold, who was volunteering at her church. <laughs> this is amazing. This is back in 2011, and she did an amazing thing. Can you go to the next picture? There's a famous painting on the left, and um, she, uh, that's worth a lot, a lot, a lot of money, that was encased in this church in Spain. And she decided, out of the goodness of her heart, because it was chipping apart, she was going to take it and, and fix it. And so she did. She took it. It was reported missing. It, has been, it had been stolen. And it's a very expensive painting. No one asked her where it went. She had no idea. She, had no, she didn't tell anybody that this, has ha this has happened. This is like one of the greatest stories ever. Oh, my goodness. She shows back up. I don't know how long this took her. Apparently not long. <laughs> ah, I love it. Woo! Oh, man. Oh, Mabel would be so proud. Anyways, she shows back up, and she, she puts the painting back, and... She fixed the painting of Jesus. How would you like to be the pastor of that church? And so, <laughs> this is a big deal. You can Google this. It's a huge deal. Spain. Breaking news. Um, <laughs> because of this new painting... They had over a hundred, first year, this is the 2000, so this has been by 2012, who knows? But by 2012, they had over 150,000 visitors to come see her new painting of Jesus. Incredible, right? 
Now, I don't know if they were walking through the gallery laughing or what, but nonetheless, this should say something, because you know who's probably laughing the most? Jesus. Jesus. Here's the All of our human best efforts of imitating what Jesus looks like are laughable. But he knows that. But he still says, be like me. He's still encouraging us to be just like Jesus. This is what discipleship is. This is what discipleship is. In fact, Dallas Willard, he says this incredible quote. He says, discipleship is essentially being like Jesus as if he was just you. Discipleship is being just like Jesus as if he was you. And this is what I'm thinking. I'm looking at this picture, this marred face of Jesus. That's essentially every single one of our lives. When we attempt to be like him, it may not be pretty to everybody. In fact, it may be laughable. But you know what? That's how he's wired us. He's wired us, and you know what? Here's what he's commanded us to do through the first Yeshua. The only thing he's asking you to do today, this day, who you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve. And I want to invite you, if you've never had the opportunity, the most incredible opportunity to begin that relationship, that first step with Jesus, may that be today. Maybe your first words with Jesus sound like this. Jesus, I give you my life. And maybe those first words lead you to a choice in this day that leads to not only everlasting life, but leads you to a daily, passionate relationship with the God of all. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who's come, who's made all things new, for you. He's forgiven you of your sins. He's made a way for you to be with his heavenly father, a holy God for you. He's given you his inheritance. Yeshua has invited us to know the new Yeshua. From Joshua to Jesus. He's invited us today to choose who we will serve. Do today with Joshua's may have been loud and clear through echoing what Moses had to say be strong in the Lord be of good courage rock shizak first words change everything because what you choose but the last words the last words ladies and gentlemen choose this day who you will serve.
that also changes generations upon generations upon generations. Would you stand with me? If today you need to make that decision, you need to say, hey, I don't know where to start. Uh, let me encourage you. It looks like this. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, to save you, to begin a relationship with him, to be saved, it's, it looks just like this. Come forward. Come forward this morning. I'm going to be right here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to introduce to you the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and help you and pray with you what it looks like for you to be saved and be forgiven of all your sins and begin a relationship with Jesus. I'd love for you to begin that today. Uh, we have some other people that would love to pray with you as well. Katie's up here as well. Pastor Cameron, if you want to sit, prefer to sit, uh, you can sit with him. Or you can stand too. He's got his cane. He'll um, hit you with it. Um, but if you need to make that decision today, those first words to say, Jesus, I give you my life, let today be the day. Choose today who we will serve. And maybe today is a second point. If you need to be baptized, if you want to be baptized in the river, one of the first things that Jesus says after he asks us to follow him is to identify publicly, to essentially say out loud, I'm Jesus. I'm buried in my own sins. I'm buried with Christ, but I'm rising just as Christ. I'm rising to new life. It's the most beautiful picture of what new life in Christ looks like. If you have never been baptized and you'd like to do that, you've made that decision to follow Christ, then let us know as well, um, either during this time or after this. We'd love to know that. All right.